Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 149, and we are roundtabling it for, I don't know, I counted up to 11, but I teach history, I don't teach math, so I don't know, 11, 12, 13, could be 7, who the heck knows, we're, we're going to figure it out. So uh, really excited to have our panel here tonight. Uh, Sean Gilbert, the head girls basketball or women's basketball coach, excuse me, at Midland University. Sean, thanks for coming on tonight. You bet. It's happy to be here. Yep. Uh, Kirk Walker, women's basketball coach at the College of St. Mary's here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coach, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Glad you invited me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when I said, you know, certain financial uh, uh, incentives to, to be here tonight, uh, Walker was on that pretty quick. You know, so... Uh, and then Sarah Goodwin, uh, the assistant girls basketball coach at Bennington High School. Goody, as always, nice to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, this is only like the second or third conversation Sarah and I have ever had in our entire <laughs> lives. So. Uh, and uh, we want to thank, of course, Tom and Ashley at Wine 121. That is where we are at here this evening. There's Ashley right over there. That's her in the background, folks. Um, uh, 120th and center, just north of 120th and Center here in Omaha. Uh, if, if you're in the neighborhood, if you if you like wine, if you like spirits, if you like high-end stuff, uh, this is a great place for you to go. So come out and check out Wine 121. And uh, they've been gracious hosts to us here numerous times at a pen and a napkin. We're back in our little uh, godfather uh, cubby <laughs> back here like this. And, and I've got uh, the Don Corleone seat. My back is to the wall. Uh, if anybody comes in, Walker's the first one to go down. <laughs> That's <laughs> So we got a bunch of topics that uh, we're going to talk about here tonight, and we just we're just going to kind of go wherever we go, and you know, let's have some fun here. Um, I thought we'd kind of tap into current events uh, to start here, and we won't mention uh, the specific player on the specific franchise of the specific team that is once again, um, let's just say, creating some unnecessary drama with his professional basketball team out of the New York metropolitan area who used to play in Massachusetts and Ohio and went to college in North Carolina. But again, that player will go unnamed. Uh, but if we, if, if you do this job long enough, uh, and, and Sean and Kirk, you're, you're in a different situation. You can recruit kids and kind of, to a degree, negate that. Uh, Sarah and I are in a different situation where we're in the high school situation and and in theory we are not supposed to control who comes in our doors and who does not come in our doors but you know everybody's just got a sly grin on their face right now uh, but y- you have a tough kid on your team you, you have a tough situation you have a, a player or two that are not positive influences in your locker room uh, I, I know that I've been there uh, like I said, all of us have done this job long enough. We've, we've been in that situation. Um, going into the season, and usually we can identify who those players might potentially be before the season even starts, and maybe we've put forth some things. But just in any of those situations or any of those concepts, whether it's a known thing, maybe it's an unknown thing that crops up and, and catches you off guard or whatever that may be, how do you, you know, I, I thought we'd start first with talking about uh, just how you handle uh, a situation like that with your team, whether with it's that individual, the program, uh, those experiences that you that you folks have had. So, whoever wants to start can go ahead and get started tonight. I'm gonna throw out the question, and I'm gonna let you guys answer it. 
Well, I think that I think the first thing you have to do is make sure that it's a problem in the locker room that's really worth you getting involved with. Uh-huh. It's definitely got to be. You definitely got to think about the hearsay that everybody is going to give you, and I think coaching different groups uh, creates different things. And I think ultimately, as a coach, you sit down and you get both sides of the story and you find out that it's not as big a deal as kids are making it out to be. Uh And when that's the case, you can give them some basic information on how they can handle this better the next time, and, you know, you move on from there. Uh Now, if it's something that's that's ongoing, then you maybe have to address it with uh, playing time or some other type of thing. But most of the time, it's stuff that kids can handle themselves. Ultimately, it's not as big a deal as... It's made out to be in many cases. Uh-huh. John, um, you know, for me, uh, we dealt with this recently. I won't say how many years ago or players involved, but um, we had a situation where I, I thought we'd have a pretty veteran team, and I wanted to allow them to lead a little bit. Um, the, the players who I thought would lead maybe led in a different way, and you know, a lot of times, like Kirk said, we're, we're the last to find out about it some of the times. Now, I could start to tell that there was something wrong with our culture to a certain degree. Um, and no matter how long you've been coaching, I've been doing this over 30 years, um, you can learn and grow. And I'll be honest with you, I did not handle the situation correctly. I probably tried to, like Kirk said, try to get them to handle it have them get along and do it and that did not happen to me after that experience you know if you're going to call it a culture killer or or whatever or a cancer um you got to control the cancer it's going to grow grow and grow and um you know that'll never happen again i you know this year we've addressed every problem coming up um you know i'm back in control you can't let the the players if they don't show the maturity of young women to handle it then the coach has to take it over um you know, for us, it meant moving a couple players on um, and redefining our, our standards and what was expected. Um, but again, it was a learning experience for me, and and uh, you know, we grew. And I think it's made our it's made our program better. Um, uh-huh. You know, if you if you think you know it all, you you don't. And if you think every kid's the same, they're not. And um, you have to really be aware of what's going on. And and you can tell if you're around your team long enough and you get that that feeling for them you can tell when things are off and Uh that was probably the biggest mistake that I made that year was we didn't nip it in the bud and get it controlled whether setting the rules period or just removing that player do you you know what was your and maybe maybe you said this and I didn't catch it or whatever but what was your thought of you know because I I know Sarah and I have been through a couple of those situations together um you know something's wrong but you're not really sure what it is you know and I think there's a lot of teams that are that can get into that situation something's off but and I think I know what's off but I can't just come in here and say it's you Kirk or (laughs) it's you Sarah or whatever it may be you know how you know is is that kind of where you were at in that situation um a little bit and then and then if you have some senior leadership or you have players on your team that you've been around through the recruiting process and three or four years coaching them you get a pretty good feel of who you can trust and I'll be honest I just called a couple kids in and sat them down and said hey what's going on I want to know um and and you get a pretty good feel for it um 
you just you have to you have to nip it right away or it just grows and grows and grows and whether that's removing it or controlling it one or the other has to happen or it'll it's like a wildfire you can't get it stopped and um i'll be honest with you it it's somewhat ruined um our season and and no matter what kind of kids you have if if and the problem is if you have one player that one player is going to try to get another one to agree with them and join them and that's when you start having problems is when you get this little pod um and especially in our case it was one of our better players um, and I needed her on the floor. Um, and that was probably hit another mistake. I should have probably just sat her down, put a shirt on her, and said, have fun over there. But, yeah. um, you know, you, you got to be careful with that because the players who maybe aren't of the high character, they're always going to – it's always somebody else's fault, and they're going to try to get you and you and you to all jump on that bandwagon so, they, so they're protected. And um, as a coach, it, it's hard to control, but that's where you – you know, you can't worry about their feelings anymore, and you you, you got to protect your program. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sir, you've got a little bit of a different perspective because you're not a head coach; right. you're assistant coach. I've always thought that one of your greatest strengths as a coach was your ability to build relationships with the kids. But you've always your BS meter has always been pretty good as well. You know, you know. So uh, your kind of thoughts as you you know your your experiences on this one. Yeah, um, a little bit of a different perspective. I think you can use your assistants a little bit because they will tell girls, girls, I'm speaking girls, but I assume it's the same for boys, Yeah. um, will tell your assistants things they probably don't feel comfortable telling you, especially if your assistants are female maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe Uh not. But um, And I think think that's – I'm totally comfortable in that role and your assistants probably are too. And so you can kind of lean on them or say, Hey, uh, you know, can you check with so-and-so a player that you trust? Um, just kind of get a feel for what's going on. Um, uh-huh. you know, you, we all know which players will be honest and which won't. And, um, you know, if it, maybe if it comes from an assistant, it's a little less aggressive, <laughs> aggressively dealt with. Yeah. Um, you can kind of get a feel for what's going on before you decide how to act. Yeah. And I think, I think Sarah hit the nail on the head, and I think you've got a situation where if if your assistants are willing to step to the plate, players feel more comfortable with the assistants because the assistants generally don't have to put the hammer down. Yeah, you know they're, they're not the, the ones dealing with all of the 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 bad garbage. And they're uh-huh. going to go to them, and that's what you want from an assistant coach. Your relationships, you know, you use the term "good cop, bad cop." I talk about that all the time. The the assistant's relationship with the players is different, and and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have two female assistants right now, and they're telling me stuff that I have no idea. But they're dealing with it. You uh-huh. know, they, they, they bring the things to me that have to be brought to me. That, I was going to ask you guys, both you guys, from your perspective about that, uh, because I think it's important as an assistant to maintain some discretion because you want them to still come to you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be a narc, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, is there a good way as an assistant to um, tell when – to elevate an issue or I don't I don't think there's any way you you're you're a mature adult you know my that's my feeling and you know what is stuff and I tell them all the time if it's going to harm the player if it's going to harm somebody else on the team if it's something that is going to drive a wedge in the team come to me otherwise you you can handle it you can figure it out because they're going to listen to you with that stuff more than they're going to listen to me because they're willing to share it with you for a reason you know a lot of times they're looking for sympathy they're looking for somebody to tell them they're right um and and i know i've been coaching 
women for 36 years now and and it, it's hard you know leader teaching kids leadership teaching kids to lead teaching kids to be you know the term captain really needs we call our leaders uh, it's difficult because kids don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to not be friends with somebody. And sometimes they say things and it creates that. But ultimately, if the team is going to be successful, I tell them all the time, what happens on the basketball court is different than what happens in the locker room, which is different than what happens outside of basketball. Uh-huh. And you have to understand all three things are unique. It's three different phases to, yes, of the relationship. Just be able yeah. to handle it. Mm-hmm. Have, have you... You know, as we've all grown, and I know, like Sarah and I have had discussions going into seasons when we coach together. Um, you know, hey, with with your assistant coaches, we probably need to keep an eye on this kid or that kid because we feel like whatever the situation may be. And usually, again, a lot of this usually, not always, but usually comes down to some sort of role, and they're not happy with their role on the team, and and that by proxy is playing time and and that type of stuff but is that conversations that 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 you have in the preseason and 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 you have it on your radar even before you get going uh well i'll be honest in my first meeting i tell my players if our relationship is based on your playing time you need to get up out of here and leave because that's that's two different things um you know for me you know coach cruzel his office is around the corner from mine and whenever I walk in, there's six or seven players in there hanging out with him. Now, my office, it's a ghost town in there unless, <laughs> unless I got candy out there. But I, would, I, I agree with Kirk. I will say to him, hey, if you hear something and you want to address it, address it. If you're having issues with it, bring it to me. And as long as their, their health or their safety or something that their parents need to know is not involved, then you handle it. I don't I don't want to know about it. Like, mm-hmm. you can do it. If somebody cousin said, hey, I'm a problem with her, and you handle it, you don't have to come to me and say, hey, so-and-so said this. I, I, I would prefer not to know that. Um, but, you know, you're that's why I had a change of an assistant this year. Um, I didn't feel like she had my back away from me. Um, she wasn't supportive. Like, like, like Sarah said, you can say – you know, hey, this they, they talk to you, but at one at any point you go, hey, I agree with you, and you put me under the bus, then then there's even more problems because now your assistant's saying one thing and the head coach is saying something. Now you get now they got power, and so, um, you know, as long as you trust your assistant and they're doing that and and you're hearing that, then you know, I have. I have no problem, and that's their role, and I, I don't want to know those things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got enough going on. I don't need to know all the drama <laughs> going on in the locker room. Yeah. Kirk? And I think I, I think when you empower your assistants, the biggest thing you have to be careful of is don't empower them to do something. They they tell you that something happened and they dealt with it and then pry into how they dealt with it. Mm-hmm. You know, just let them go. Yep. Yes. They've dealt with oh, that it. Makes you sense. have to trust yeah. that they've dealt with it and you have to move on because you, otherwise you're micromanaging. You can't tell them how you want them to address that problem because if you're telling them how you want to address the problem, you should be dealing with it. Uh-huh. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're adults. They've dealt with this. Most of the time they've coached at other places. They've, they've seen things. Yeah. So if you can't trust them, then you probably shouldn't have them on your staff. Yeah, I agree. If you, if they if they come to you and say, hey, "Coach, I don't, I don't know how to handle this," then you can jump in. Or if you've heard the same thing two or three times from them, then you maybe say, "Hey, then bring those kids in here unless you and I sit down and talk to them." But if if I'm not hearing the talk and they've handled it, yeah, absolutely. I, that's that's I want them to do that. That's yeah. that's part of their their job. And like Sarah said, that 
there's a lot of them that'll go to the assistant way before they go to the, the head coach. It's a yeah. way more comfortable situation, whether it's academics, personal life, or playing time or where they're at. Um, yeah. They're going to see how far they can get before they approach you. Yeah. Anything to add, Goody? Uh, no. I think as an assistant, just from my perspective, um, it, it is a fine line to walk, uh, presenting the united front, which we always try to do as an assistant, and keeping them happy isn't the right term because that's not what it's all about but yeah. um, you know feel having them feel listened to and all of that um, it's kind of a fine line to walk and can be difficult at times but yeah well and sometimes with those things it's easier to be the head coach because you've tried as an assistant coach to massage the situation and you're trying to tell them the truth but kind of doing it in a nice way to keep their spirits up and well this is you know this is kind of the way you know sometimes by the time they get to Kirk or Sean or I it's just like all right look this is going to be a short sweet conversation this is the way it's going to be and if you you know like like Sean said if that's the way it's going to be then it's probably best for us to part ways or move on or you need to think about something or whatever that whatever that is and i i always tell our players too that my office should be a safe place for you like absolutely you absolutely talk, yeah you should yeah. be able to come and talk to me about mm-hmm. anything in my office away yep. from the court but I, I also use the old brad stevens words you know i, I always tell him at the beginning of the season very first meeting I'm willing to listen to you about playing time, but if you're coming to my office to talk about playing time, be prepared for me to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're talking about playing time, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. But you can come to my office and we can talk about anything away from basketball, and it doesn't leave those walls. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think you also have to empower your assistants and let them know it's okay to come in and say, you know, if my assistant came to me and said, "Hey, Coach Gilbert, I don't think we're handling this right." what about this or what about that or I think we need to try this and be be open to that I yeah. mean let them have don't let them don't make them feel like well I got to handle this way because that's the way coach Gilbert handled let them come to you and say coach I really think we should handle it this way and, mm-hmm. and say okay then handle it and see how it goes from there yeah I've always and I hope Sarah felt this way but when we had discussions you know I didn't always do what Sarah or Ritz wanted to do exactly but I always tried to do my best to listen and okay and if let's say Ritz and Sarah both said let's do it like this and well we're going to probably do it like that because they're two smart people and they get the dynamics of a team and and that type of thing so I you know I always I always hope that you felt that way when we were working together in that regard so I I always I always do that in games I tell I tell my assistants if if I don't have a hundred ideas by the end of the game that you're throwing at me then something's wrong Mm -hmm. like Give me ideas, and if something sticks, it sticks. Now, most of the time, let's face it, it's going one ear and out the other because there ain't much to stop it. <laughs> well, um, but plus you're old, and you probably can't hear them anyway, Walker. I can't hear them. I forget. I own it all. Bad knees, I, bad I th- hips, bad hearing. Yeah. I know. think the other thing for, like, Kirk and I is, like, in our profession at the NAI level, you're going to have young assistants all the time. You're going to yeah. have former players, GAs. And, you know, I've, like he, I've been doing this 30-plus years, and – like I always say in recruiting, I'm getting older and older and older, and the recruits stay the same age. Like there's a bit, young people maybe have better ideas, or they can understand these kids better than me, and so you need to listen to that as well. Like, hey, this, coach, let's try this. Oh, probably a good idea because that's not, you know, when I was 18, that's not how my dad would have handled it, and so you, yeah. you got to be willing to listen to those things. So, so are you saying on on your house visits this year, you're not breaking out your REO speed <laughs> no. or something like that? <laughs> No, it's changed a lot. Yeah, just a little bit. So, um, well, let's let's uh, jump into the next thing. Uh, 
that was on the agenda. And, and unless we want, I mean, do you have anything to add, gang? No. Uh, early in the season, you know, Sean, you played two games, uh, down two. Kirk, you played two games, up two. Uh, we haven't started yet, but we're going to be starting soon. I, I think one of, uh, if, if there's something I get questioned about a lot, I get a random email from a coach uh, when it comes to some things. A lot of the times it's, you know, what adjustments do I make uh, early in the season? So, you know, uh, when is it time after you spent five, six, seven months preparing your team for this, whether it's schematically or culturally or whatever it may be, and, and mainly schematics at this point, uh, at what point do you look and go, ah, you know, we thought this was going to work. It ain't going to work. We're going to chuck it. Or, hey, maybe it's not working right now, but I see some things and we're going to stick with it. And, and you know, in, in your in your experiences, you know, what are what are some thoughts that you've had when you're talking about early season adjustments and when is it time to think about tweaks or even bigger change than tweaks and, and things like that as you move through things? So, um uh, well, we've already started making tweaks, all right? Um, <laughs> when you're 0-2, you, you're right back to the drawing board. But I, I think for me, um, you know, defensively, um, we will stay true to our rules the whole year. Um, that's probably a mistake I made last year. We, we had a really frustrating year, and it, it was unacceptable. And some of it was I started changing defensively a little bit. Um, and, you know, being around Coach Eisner, Todd Eisner, for a number of years, he was a he was a system defensive guy, and you don't change it and you don't mess with it. Kind of the old uh, John Wooden thing, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do in your rules, it doesn't matter what anybody else does against you. Your players know how to do it. So, so we, we're going to stick with that all year. But offensively, you know, we struggled in our first two games scoring. And some of it was we're not, we're not getting into stuff quick enough. So – you know, our assistants, we sat down, what can we do? So we're looking at some different secondary breaks to get us motion that leads into our offense. So, I mean, we spent two days working on that, preparing for coming up. So, um, you know, for me, it's, listen, if, if you're not getting what you want, the production you want, you have to figure out how to, how to get what you want and change it, and you have to be okay with that. And, mm-hmm. um, so, so, yeah, we, we've already started. We spent two days on offense here trying to figure out how to get better movement in what we're doing. We're standing, um, mm-hmm. and so... It's right away for us. Yeah, is is that typical for you, or is it a little bit more of well, an exception? Well, not when you're 9 or 10, and oh, it's not. I'll stay with what I'm doing. <laughs> when you're not scoring, you know, you're scoring 50. You know, like the Bellevue game, it's 58-50 going in the fourth quarter, and tip our hat to them. They shot like 80% from the field in the fourth quarter. But we struggled in both games on Friday and Saturday in the fourth quarter scoring points. Mm-hmm. Um, something's got to change because it's, you know – it. We, you can't live and die from 15, 18 feet. You can't stand around and hope somebody else does it. So, yeah. um, it, you know, just based off our performance, we've, we've got to do it. So I, I think it, I think it's situational. Um, if things are going well, you're going to build on it. But do you change that much? Do, you know, keep it simple, stupid if you can, and, and not add a lot of stuff if you're having success. But yeah. if you're struggling in some aspect, it's not huge changes, but it's enough to maybe help us um, overcome what we've well, you know, for me, the first four games are about getting better. So when Concordia shows up on that Wednesday night, we're ready to play in the G Pack, and um, that's what these first four games are for. Gotcha, Goody. How about you? Like as an assistant coach, when, when you when you're looking at it, hey, you know, yeah, OC, you know, this we is, might want to look at this or whatever. This you is know? not a decision I really get to make very often. Pretend like you're making this. <laughs> um, but I agree with Coach Gilbert. Um, there are certain things I think that. You, you stay true to who you are and how you play 
in certain ways. And I also think you can get a feel for, do we have the potential? Do we just need time? Mm-hmm. Um, are we young? Do we just need time to develop this? Or this isn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, this, like, I can, I could, there's no, no potential for this to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can get kind of glimmers of, of, of that potential to help make that decision. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a feel. It's yeah, a feel I would thing. say. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Kirk? I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, your young kids and how they come along. Like, like Sean and I, you know, we're recruiting kids and, see things in them that we feel like you know this kid can be a really good player and perfect example this weekend one of our one of our freshmen you know I saw really good glimpses from one of our freshmen on Thursday saw really good glimpses of another one on Friday what you run into with the young kids is can they continue to do those things and then can they do them somewhat consistently and you don't know that early in the year uh-huh. I mean you're, you're, you played we played two games you got kids that have played two college basketball games where you know the athletes are bigger faster stronger the things that you could do in high school you can't do at the at the college level at any level for the most part doesn't matter what level it is and i think you know you you have to trust what you did in the preseason but you there's going to be tweaks but if you're going to wholesale change the kids know that like they read that and they're like Oh, we must really be bad. We're completely changing <laughs> yeah. what we did. Now we can't do that. If you have an injury or something like that, I don't think you change. You tweak what you're doing to adjust to what that is. Um, somebody doesn't doesn't play well. Again, we're two games in, so mm-hmm. you know. For me, if we get into two games into the conference season and the exact same things are happening, I think the first thing you do is look at your personnel. You know, are, are we putting the kids in in the right positions? Are the kids playing together? The right combination of kids, and then you have to look at what you've taught them all that time. Because if you if you change systems, if you change what you're doing offensively, change what you're doing defensively, I think that sends a twofold message. First thing is the kids don't trust what you're doing, and the second thing is if you change that, that the kids don't believe that you know what you're doing. Uh-huh. So I think those that's a big part of it too. Yeah. I must be a little bit more patient then. I, I mean, I, and I don't mean that in like a positive way or a negative way or like whatever, but I'm usually a little bit more apt to give it four or five games. Because me, again, this is just me, you know, and it's great that we have different opinions, but uh, I kind of feel like, okay, if I've spent six months thinking of it and doing it this way, um, I feel like we've, you know, what am I going to come up with in three days that's going to change my thought over those six months, you know, and and so I'm a now there's been other now that being said that's scheme personnel I'm probably a little bit too I, I know when I was younger I was too impatient with well you you played like crap this game you just must suck you know and and, and that's and I and I necessarily wasn't thinking that but that probably was the message I sent to kids was well you played bad this first game that must mean you're going to be bad every game or whatever it may be or you don't have what we thought that you had and I think um, but I'm probably still and I think I'm doing a better job in my new job of okay let's just keep working with them let's just keep working with them we got to get this out of them we got to we got to find a way to make it work and I think that is something I've done better but I know when I was younger um, and, and maybe still to a degree I've got a little bit of a quicker hook when it comes to the personnel and tinkering with, tinkering with the personnel more than the scheme, 
myself, and 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 I know that's. I don't know if that's a. Str- I don't know if that's a good thing. Sometimes it's probably worked out well, and other times I should have been more patient with well, with kids. And I think you just, but you know, you said four or five games in. Well, by the time we get two, three games into our conference season, we're seven, eight games into our season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, you guys go about seventeen days, and you're playing a game, something like that. It's not yeah. really long. Yeah, and it's not long. We've been going since the last week in September, uh-huh. so we have five weeks before we play, and then we're playing seven or eight games. And, and at that point, I think it becomes pretty clear if what you're, if, if the players that you've got playing can't catch on, you've got to find a way to get them to catch on. And, mm-hmm. and can like I just asked a player today. So what are the, what are the four, four or five sets that we run that you know. Tell me the ones that you know. That helps me because then we can yeah. run those. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what position do you know them from? Because I don't know about Sean, but we've got so many kids that if we run a set, they have to learn the three, four, and five, or they got to learn the two, three, and four. Uh-huh. And they have to learn multiple positions because, you know, we we can't go out and recruit, okay, this kid's going to be, these two kids are going to be my two. These three kids are going to be my three. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. You intermix so much that it, you, you keep it simple, stupid, mm-hmm. you know. But yet you have to be able to run stuff yep. to get the kids the shots that you want to get the shots and to counter what the other team's doing because in you know in most places coaches are good but in the G Pack they're really good mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and some of the best coaches in the country obviously yeah so you've got to find a way to counter what they yeah. want to do Ab- yeah. absolutely yeah I you know for me this year I'm probably going to be a little slower on the personnel because we start a freshman and we bring three freshmen off the bench uh-huh. and so it's gonna like like Kirk said I, I don't care you're an 18 year old female stepping on the floor with a 22 23 year old woman that's been lifting weights for four years and has played 100 college guys she's gonna she's gonna own you for a little yeah. bit yeah um so I, I've been a little more patient with the personnel I just felt like offensively in our transition, if we didn't get some in transition, we were really stagnant getting into something. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yep. how can we get moving? So what we're working on is just two or three movements that get us into our offense better. Again, we're not going to, like, the ball's, we, we have a pretty good big. The ball's going to go into her and through her. We're not going to scrap that, and we're not going to scrap this. But, um, you know, I can just see, I've been around long enough to know that if you're going to shoot 27% from the field, you're not going to win basketball games from 25 yeah. feet. So we, we've just got to make those changes. But they're subtle, um, and we'll hang with them the next couple of days or the next mm-hmm. couple of games, and then at that point we'll see. But, again, like I have a freshman from Colorado who's kind of trying new positions, and I finally asked her today, Gabby, where do you want the basketball? Because we can run all these sets and we can get it where you want. And I think that's just learning with your kids and being patient with the newcomers. Yeah. and and. Yep. Now, five, six, seven, eight games into conference, if you haven't got – stats don't lie at that point. If you're not getting it done, then it's personnel change time. Yeah. Well, it's like, you, you, you know, you shot 27% this weekend. That's just a bad weekend. Yep. But if you're, shooting 27, so. <laughs> if you're shooting 27% three weeks from now, yes. that's bad shooters. Yeah. After, after you know. five, six, seven games, stats don't lie anymore. Yeah. They yeah, just I don't. Think, uh, I think kids, too, in high school, one of two things happens. And really, it's generally a combination of both. You know, some of the shots they were able to get in high school, you know, if they're driving the ball, for instance, those <laughs> drives are cut off like right now. And then the other thing is trying to get kids convinced of what open is in college versus open is in high school. You know, Sean and I are about three feet away. That's an open shot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, in the college game, if you're a shooter, 
Yeah. You know, you got to be ready. Yeah, you got to be ready. That's the yeah. thing. It's it's getting getting those feet set early, being a greedy receiver, fighting for your feet, whatever you want to call it. And, oh. and and when the ball hits your hands, you got to be able to make a decision in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. All I ever needed was three feet. <laughs> in in my mind. I Maybe couldn't shoot it, so I never had to worry well, about it. Back in my day, there was no three-point line, no. so it didn't do any good from 20 or two feet, so you had to get as close as you could. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else on this one? Yeah. Um, did you want to ask your question? Um, as an assistant coach, I just want to know what you guys really need from your assistants. Like, what do you look for? Um, you know, for me, probably, I, I want somebody who, um, will listen to how we do things, but also be bold enough to challenge me and say, what about this? Or, hey, can we do this? Or in a game, like he said, throw ideas at me. Um, at our level, you know, like I've talked about, as I get older and older and older, um, your young assistants have to be good recruiters. they got to be personable. they got to be willing to walk up to anybody at any given time. Um, you know, that's important. I, I just think a love for the game. You know, like my assistant, Coach Cruz, I've been – I've been scouting games. It was, hey, coach, can I, how many scouts can I do? And I'm like, you can do them all for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just think that energy and, and you know, when, when I hire an assistant, you want to feel like it's an associate head coach. Can I trust you to do the things? If I had to go to this and we had a 5 o'clock practice or 6.30 practice, could I trust my coach to run a practice and I don't have to be there? Um, I, I just think you got to work together and you got to be okay with each other's ideas, but you have to be all right with challenging each other a little bit as well. Um, and I'm 100% okay with that. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, you know, we don't have a full-time assistant position, so availability is a big one for me. You know, can you be available and how often can you be available? I've got two two assistants right now and, and you know, we're able to ham and egg it pretty good where one of them can be there at least. And most of the time, both of them are there. Um, but I think... I agree with Sean. Can can you are are you at least willing to recruit? You know, it's kind of like I always say to our players. You know, everybody's a different level defensively, but are you a willing defender? Are you a willing recruiter? Uh-huh. You know, because if you're a willing recruiter, I can help you. Uh-huh. I can mentor you. I can show you what 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 I would like. You know, that doesn't mean that's how you're going to recruit, but here's how I do it. Uh-huh. And then you know. Having a having a background and being willing to say, "Hey, I think we should try this," or "Could we try this?" and then um, being willing to implement stuff. Like for me, I want to give ownership to our assistants. Um, I want them to take ownership of whether it's ball handling, whether it's shooting drills, whether it's inbounds plays, you know, baseline unders, um, whatever it is, because I have enough on my plate, and I'm not a great delegator. Because when I go back through and I think about my whole career, even when I was in high school, you know, most of the time my assistants were people that worked outside of the school uh-huh. and were there for basketball. So you didn't you didn't have time during your plan period to go talk to them about stuff. Uh-huh. And so I think availability for me is is the biggie. And then, you know, are you willing, even if you if you're not sure, are you willing to take ownership of something? And what is that? And then, can I trust you? To uh-huh. And you need to show me in practice that if I'm giving you ownership of shooting drills or ball handling drills or baseline unders, can you teach them? Can you implement them?
at them and, and can you get things moving because that's a big thing with me like I'm gonna give I'm gonna give very short directions and then we're gonna learn on the fly in a new drill uh-huh. you know let's just do it you're gonna make mistakes and so that's what I want I don't want a 15 minute dissertation on how the drill is gonna work and then five minutes of doing the drill yeah flip it around give them minimal instruction and let's go can yeah. you do that yeah, yeah I give uh, Josh had all our blobs and slobs this year. I told him, go get them for me. He brought me five or six, and we discussed them and said, hey, let's go with these. So he taught them. Also, this we're kind of implementing the secondary break, and um, he said, hey, I got something that we ran in college. Can we try it? Absolutely. And so he, he coached it. But one thing that for me has been really valuable this year that Josh does a great job of, when I'm coaching – like I'm nonstop talking and I'm always the one that stops it and says, Hey, that ain't right. Or that's really, I want an assistant who's willing to, at some point, the action stop him or her to step up and say, Hey, you got to be better right there. That, that footwork is poor or that's not how we execute it instead of always me. Um, and, and, um, Josh has done a good job of that. It's been very helpful for me. Two voices is way better than one. I mean, they, at some point they stop listening to me if it's me all the time. So you got to be comfortable with those things. You got to be willing to coach. I like a loud gym. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Even with the coaches. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I remember um, when Amy was her first or second year down in Nebraska, I went to a practice, and uh, they were doing a, a five-on-five half-court deal. And one assistant was on the baseline. Another one was on kind of the right mm-hmm. wing. The other one was kind of on the left wing. And the play was going, and they were coaching the crap out of those kids. Every single one of them, Amy's just kind of watching it all. And that's what I want. I want somebody that's in the in the middle of it, the heat of it, mm-hmm. encouraging and being loud and getting them where they need to be and constant communication with them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, kind of the, the, the Chris Oliver stuff, like, let's create chaos. Let's be loud. Let's make it like, okay, what am I hearing? What do I need to do? So that games become that much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good feedback. I, I could ask you guys a million questions, but that's not what really... Uh, hey, it's your podcast. <laughs> it's not. It's actually not my podcast. <laughs> we'll talk another time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, let's let's kind of take that and what Kirk just said. Um, integrating new players into your program. You know, if if you're a high school coach, it's freshmen. Uh, maybe you've got a, a transfer in from another high school or a move-in kid, or in our situation. And again, we've got a we've got a fish with a big net, especially when you're rebuilding a program. So we had a softball kid that showed up or that decided to come. We had two softball kids that one of them hasn't played since seventh grade, and the other one I don't know. I, I think her parents said they can't remember the last time she played. Uh, that type of thing. So we're bringing in a wide variety of kids, as I'm sure you see a wide variety of kids at Bennington. You guys are obviously recruiting freshmen and transfers and things like that. Uh, you know, Sarah, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. What are some things that you guys do at Bennington to help integrate kids into your program to uh, get them used to your uh, infrastructure, how you do things, just, just, just top to bottom, you know? We have really great kids, and so a lot of times they'll take it on themselves to welcome the new players in, especially if it's a transfer. Um, we've had a couple exchange students as well, um, and they just our, our kids just kind of take the lead in terms of making trying to make them feel welcome. Um, I think as a coach, uh, one of the things you can do is try to give them experiences together right away. Um, we actually we took our girls mini golfing. Um, this is actually our reserve team. We took at the end of the season but just seeing 
how they uh, responded to that. I wish we would have done it earlier. I think if you intentionally create those off the court uh, scenarios, that they um, they learn each other's names. First of all, they learn personalities. Um, that just kind of helps to accelerate, give them fun experiences to do that. Um, just from a team standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, I think that helps a lot. Okay. We took, I, you know, I piggybacked off some coaches. I read some stuff on and. Um, we started a deal this year we called teammates and so we partnered up every upperclassman with an underclassman and and we try and get them to do something whether it's eat lunch uh, together once a week eat lunch together study together something like that um, you know and I think that's been somewhat help, helpful and I think with our players as they uh, they get into it you know I, I can't remember where I heard this but I tell our kids at the beginning of the year you know and, and going into the off season. Your job is to get better. My job is to go recruit better players. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm I'm that blunt with them. And yeah. so, and, and I tell them all the time, I'm going to try and bring in players that are going to compete with you for playing time, or are going to challenge you to be to start. You're so, nicer than me. I just say I'm recruit players better than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I, I let them know that you know the players we're bringing in. I'm trying to find people that can replace you. I'm not saying they will, but I'm trying to find those players. Yeah. And so I think it's a little different at the college level because it you is. can be honest with them and yep. tell them. And, and they should know. You hope that your upperclassmen understand the system and put the time in. They know what you expect. So at least early in the year, they should be playing over mm-hmm. the freshmen. Yeah. You're hoping that you've, as a coach, you're hoping you've got a freshman or two that can play ahead of some of those kids because that means that you just got better. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's that's kind of in, integrating them, and I I think our our locker room is pretty good right now. Our kids really, the newcomers have all really bonded well together, uh-huh. and we've got four the first senior class where we actually have four kids that are quality kids that just want to win. Yeah, that helps. When and and this is a challenge, and and Sean, I'll let you kind of jump in here on this, but something else that I wanted to talk about with this topic, you, you know, both of you have referenced. I'm, I want to bring in kids that are better than you or are going to at the very least push you for playing time. Um, you know, Sarah and I are a situation where sometimes you have freshmen um, that are really good and they leapfrog a junior or a senior for, for playing time or even a starting spot. And, and how do you um, manage that circumstance where – you know, you you know what you're doing is right for the team, but you know there's especially in certain situations that can get a little prickly in the locker room, and, and some kids may not handle it as well as they should, and maybe they will handle it as well as they should, but it's 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 tough because whether it's our kids at the high school level or your kids at the college level, they want to play, and if they're a junior and a senior, they felt like they've wait you know they've waited their turn or they've been a good teammate, a good program mate, and now I feel like it's my time to shine as a junior or senior, but now Susie Smith from wherever, whether it's a middle school or a high school, comes in and, and, and takes some or most or all of my minutes, uh, that, that's, that's, that's a fine line that we all have to walk. So as you integrate those players, especially talented players, that may take those minutes from upperclassmen. You know, that's that's another dynamic that I wanted to kind of jump in on. Then I think this the big one, so. thing with that is, and you know, I coached at the high school level so for a long time, so I've got background both ways. And I think when you start talking about kids that are coming in that are better or are going to challenge or whatever the case might be, I think you you know, I tell our players, 
just because you've been out for basketball for two years or three years or whatever it is, that doesn't automatically assure that you're going to play. You have to you have to work at it. You have to get better. And and you know, my one of my favorite stories is my very first high school coaching job was the old six player game in Iowa. Yeah. One in seventeen my first year. Two and, dribbles. And after that one win, I had a senior parent jump me in the hallway chew me out for his daughter not playing and the kid that played in her place had 20 points in the game and we won Uh well she's been out for three years yeah she's been out but she hasn't worked at it Uh this kid's in the gym every single day yeah and i think that's the big thing is is you know you, you find that you hope that your kids will mentor those those newcomers and want them to be better so they're better and they push them in practice yeah. but it obviously it doesn't always work that way and yeah. females it, it, I, I don't want to say females that's not fair but watch it watch it here <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I found in, you know I've, I, I mean basically I've only coached girls in basketball uh-huh. and what I found if by the time they're sophomores if they're not playing you know and there's younger kids that are playing ahead of them they're not going to push themselves beyond that year they're just they're going to say well i'm not going to play and so they're that's my experience that's not every kid but that's the general experience that i have after 36 years of watching it and it's true at the college level too at the nai level yeah Uh, you know you're yeah i had a situation i had a parent who was involved like to and and his you know he was very involved with his daughter's career and we got to her, her senior year, and we played our opening game, and we won by 35 points or whatever. And I get home. I feel pretty good. And it was a game we should have won by 35, but we went out and won by 35. I get home, open up my computer or whatever, and there's the three paragraph, my you know, this, this, and this. And, and I brought him in the next morning. And I was, you know, I'm usually pretty diplomatic with parents, but I literally told him, dropping some profanity even <laughs> that I feel really good we just won by 35 points our team won by 35 points and the first thing I have to deal with is is that thank you Tom Crable you are the best that's the quietest I've ever seen Tom yeah. Crable my entire life but you know sometimes you have to do that as well where it's just like you know and that's when you have the upper hand when you just come off a 35 point win or you come off your one win and you're able to say this is why we're integrating these kids. This is, the, you know, the proof is in the pudding here. So, Sean, you haven't had a chance to chime in on this one. Um, you know, I, I, I think going back to, like I said, you know, I tell our players I'm going to recruit somebody better than you. It's not necessarily to demoralize them. It's to make them work harder and say, well, yeah, then i got to get better or I'm going to get passed up. I think for me, um, you know, the key – I think you got to be honest with your players. Uh, you got to tell them why you're making these decisions, or you got to tell them this is what I'm doing, or um, just have the conversations with them. Um, where Kirk and I are probably lucky is, I tell my kids in our very first meeting, um, I don't, I don't discuss playing time with your parents. Um, you be a big girl and walk in my office, and we'll talk about it. So yeah. we're kind of fortunate in that. But um, it happens, and if you're honest, like this year, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, Emma Shepherd has started for us for over a year and a half uh this year her sister comes in freshman probably plays better we had a conversation sarah starts in emma's spot so you got two sisters that are going home to with each other every night (laughs) and and battling and and i was honest with emma in that you know i felt like emma 
you know, when, when we first start practicing, I don't put any groups together. I might pick teams, and it's different every day because I want to see everybody play together. Sure. But I really felt like Emma was taking a leadership role with some of the younger players. And if, if I do start Emma, which is fine, then I'm bringing three or four freshmen off the bench, and that's a disaster waiting to happen. So I said, Emma, you've really taken leadership with this young group. I'm going to start Sarah freshman, and then I'll bring those kids off the bench, and you can go in and be the leadership kind of of the younger group. And just being honest with her, was she disappointed? Maybe. But she said, hey, I want to do what's best for the team. I came here to be coached by you. If that's the decision, let's do it. And she's embraced it, and it's been very good. But if you hee-haw around about that or you walk both sides of the fence with those kids, at some point it's going to blow up in your face. Um, you got to be straightforward, honest. Tell them why you're making the decision. And like, like Kirk said, we, today was practice 31. And so we've been around these kids a long time, and you know, and I think they know. Um, I just think you got to, you know, I can see this is what we got to do, and you, you tell them. And mm-hmm. I, I think that helps a lot of the headaches down the – are they going to be disappointed? Yeah. I mean, if you're a competitor and no. you don't want that, then I question why you're here. But yeah. you also got to – you got to take your role and embrace it. And if you don't, you're, you're gonna, your role is going to be at the end of the bench yeah. um, with your warm-up on. Yeah. I, think the, I think the role is – I tell our kids, roles can evolve. Yeah, absolutely. We literally just had that conversation yeah, today after school with our kids. Same thing. I had Kenzie Hoyt, who's been starting for three years, basically. And I just felt like in order for us to be the best team we can be, we needed somebody that could come in and give us a spark defensively, offensively, could lead, was going to be a Bulldog-type mm-hmm. player. Her and Al, Al Schubert, both are kids that could start for us. But for us to be as good, we bring those two kids in off the bench, and I talk to them about this. And, of course, they were both like, whatever's best for the team. Mm-hmm. But in, in my line of thinking is, you know, do we get the same thing out of two kids that are, you know, one or two kids that are starting coming in? Can they give us that same thing? And so we don't, you know, we, we're at least equal, if not maybe even a little bit better when they come in just because, uh-huh. you know, we, we're bringing kids in off the bench. We certainly don't drop off. Yeah. And that's, that's what you hope for. Um, I like how both of you guys phrase that as an opportunity for those players. Obviously, everybody, I think, wants to start. Um, And I think there's a maturity level difference probably between the girls you have and the girls that we have. Um, For some reason, the little handshake introduction thing is real important to to our kids. Um, So it's, and it's, I guess, it's just really important for them to start. But uh, to to my first point, if you, when you tell them why and still give them um, the role, the role, and reason behind it, and still give them that tangible. Like this is this is what we need from you. I yeah. think that's a really important way to phrase it. Um, you, this is how you can star for our team. It might not be how you want to star, but this is how we need you to star. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. We we literally had that conversation after school before our open gym today. And one of the things I've changed up with our kids this year is usually we go into open gyms. It's kind of like, all right, let's get divided up. But but I've decided to take a few minutes, of, you know, just three to five minutes uh, to just, you know, here's the theme of the day. Here's something that I feel like is important. And yesterday it was, you know, if you suck, you don't play. <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I pointed to, to two kids who played, who started every game for us last year. I said, you know, Maddie. I'm just telling you right now, if, if if you're if you are not playing well, and somebody else is playing better than you, I don't care if you started every game last year. They're gonna play ahead of you at least for that night, you know. And and 
and, and until you get it back. Now, you got a little bit more leeway, perhaps. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, they've got a little bit more leeway, but, you know, it's just important to establish that. And if you could point that out, and if you could look at two returning starters, and like, Sean, you said with your gal, with the Shepherd girl, and with Kenzie, you know, here you have kids who have started for you who have been important contributors, and I think what's really impressive about those young women is they have decided to make that decision to to step back which is only going to help the growth of your team because they, okay if if emma can do it if kenzie can do it then what am i complaining about this is what i have to accept as well and i think that's a tremendous compliment to those young women absolutely uh, emma kenzie if you're ever listening to this i just want you to know that it's, all right it's funny because the very first game so i told um bailey white was starting and kenzie wasn't so i get it on the board and i'm drawing up our opening tip play and I put Kenzie on the board so we walked I didn't even think about it and you know you're just used to kids and you're writing their name on the board and we're getting ready for warm-ups and Kenzie takes her warm-up or uh, introductions Kenzie takes a warm-up start uh top off and coach Hodges says is Bailey starting or is Kenzie starting I said Bailey starting well you wrote Kenzie on the board <laughs> so, so Kenzie was getting ready to start but you know just but but it's it's funny but you know the kid stepped in yep. here i'm telling her bailey's gonna start and i put her name on the board and it, you know that can mess, mess with kids yeah. minds yeah she, you know yeah. she was ready for whatever role she needed yeah i i always tell them do you want to start and play 20 minutes or do you want to come off the bench and play 25 and be in the close game yes. with five minutes yes. to go which is your choice because if starting's yeah. your choice then i question again are you a true team player and and emma was i think our maybe our leading or second leading scorer in the second game and she played really well in the first game um and you know i'm a guy that i might start five kids but i'll be honest with you at the end of the game there's a lot of times our starting five isn't on the floor it's who's produced during the game who's getting it done what lineup do we need the starting five means diddly squat to me you might have a starter that can't shoot free yeah yeah amen you got a bad matchup defensively and you can't go with it um and so you those kids understand. Um, I always tell them, if you want to look at stats, that's fine. But you need to block out the minutes played because it's the least important stat on the sheet. Like, what did you do? What You can't run around in our game with the shot clock for 24 minutes and go one for eight from the field and have one rebound and one assist and three turnovers. I, you can't do it. And for us, it's easy to do the NAI stats. <laughs> oh, yes. The stats, 40 minutes. Oh, per 40. For four, per 40. 40. Yeah. yeah, and you look at that and you think, kid, well, they didn't play that well. They only had three turnovers. And you go to the per 40 and they had like seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and so, you know, you can pull that up. And stats don't tell everything. And, and I've had kids tell me that, but they tell a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the they don't tell, they don't tell the whole story, no. but they tell a significant portion. Like Sean of the said, story. after after seven, eight, nine games, the stats don't yeah. yeah, You can't say, oh, shoot, I'm going to shoot it really well. You've been shooting 18% for seven games. Where's that going to come from? Yeah. <laughs> um, that- you guys brought this up here a little bit, and, and, and I don't know if you did it on purpose or whatever, but you talked about kind of establishing uh, lineups and certain things. So as you're and you talked about Emma being a leader with the second unit and Kenzie with her role. What are some other things that you look for as you're piecing together your starting lineup? What are some things that you look at? You know, and Sarah, what are some things that as you're analyzing lineups, as you're sitting there on the bench and you're telling your head coaches, and I know the conversations that we've had, but it's been four years since we've been on the same bench together, you know, so five. Good. Well, going into the fifth year. Yeah. So this is what ha- I'm almost 50 now, so I'm oh this. Uh, He's a pup. Yeah, he is a pup. <laughs> uh, well, you know. 
uh, we won't go there. Uh, but you know, just 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 some things there. You know, so um, I, I know, like for us, it's a little bit different. You know, there's years where you might only have five or six good players at the high school level. So it's like, uh, you know, our substitution pattern is a couple 30-second timeouts and a couple quarter breaks, you know, and, and that's what you're managing as you're going through the game. Uh, you guys, Again, you guys are a little bit different um, with the ability to recruit and bring kids in. But um, as you're constructing your lineups um, and, and you're thinking about your rotations going into games, and like I said with with you, Sarah, the advice that you're giving your head coaches as you're going into uh, as you're going through games, you know, what are some things that you're looking for or or thinking about as you're constructing that? Uh, Gilbert, I'll let you. Start um, on that one. You know, for us, you know, we get we have such a long preseason, and like I said, e- each day once we kind of get stuff implemented after the first week or so. Um, we sit down and decide who do we want to see together. And so every day of practice, there's a sheet on the bat, on the wall where we kind of line up and stretch and stuff. And we, we pick three teams. And we put those groups together and see who produces and what's good and what's not. So we have a really good feeling of what groups maybe work well together, what groups don't. Um, like we've talked about, we're bringing kids off the bench for experience and leadership, um, you know, if you're going to press, what group do you want out there when you're pressing? You know, for us, we switch one through four off defensively. So, you know, as our guards, we got to figure out which guard, what lineups can we be where we don't get two awful matchups um, at the same time. Uh, it, I think it's just time with your kids and watching them play together where that all comes. And it, it may change in the next two or three weeks as well as games start because games can change things a lot too as – you know, we play all the stuff and we're running our offense and defensive rules and our kids know what's going on. And so they start cheating. Well, all of a sudden now you're playing somebody you don't know exactly what's going on. And maybe they're struggling defensively all of a sudden because, wow, it's not as easy as it was. It And so yeah. um, I, I think for me, it's just a feel and, and a talk and what your kids have done. And then as you watch film of your games and you go through it, you're like, well, that's maybe not a great matchup. I think you got to be flexible in your implementing your lineups and your structure on how you're going to play kids. And, you know, you also got to be aware of foul trouble or things happen. Who's it's, it's a never, it's a revolving for me. We're always looking at what lineups are best for us. How about you, Sarah? What are you looking at as you're advising your head coaches? Um, I really like the energy comment Coach Gilbert brought up. I think it's really hard to play against. So when you're like, okay, good, that girl's out of the game. But then this girl comes in and it's just a kamikaze. And you're like, whoa, where did she come from? <laughs> and uh, everyone else is just kind of settled in the game. And she just comes in like a burst of energy. I think that is a fantastic thing to have if you if you can have it. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing is you kind of know who's going to get in foul trouble, so you kind of have somebody ready. <laughs> who's going to be the next one in? The hacker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So time, yeah. Second, second whistle, okay, time for you. <laughs> um, or so. you can see the potential for that second foul coming, and you're like, okay, come on, yeah. get over here. Yeah, you know. sit down a second. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. So. As an assistant, I try to have – I don't get to do as much of this anymore. I get to go on a little bit of a different role, but um, – I'd like to have an idea of how the head coach wants the flow of the game to go. Like, I know things happen, but, um, you know, who are you looking at for, for some first subs or, you know, and then that conversation happens every quarter then of, are we looking for some different combinations? Um, as an assistant, that's kind of, I try to have that conversation if possible mm-hmm. before and whenever, whenever we can, quarter yeah. breaks if we can. Yeah. Walker? Mine's a little unique in that, 
know, I'm fortunate enough that my son gets to coach with me, and, and with his job, he can be at maybe one practice every 10 days, you know, mm-hmm. but but Alex and I talk a lot, and um, he does he does all of our subbing, so now he's sitting with Coach Hodges, is sitting beside him, and, you know, he's got to be gone for the next three games because of his work, and so the first two games, you know, he's subbing, and he's talking to her, and and one of, kind of like Coach Gilbert, we we do it a little bit differently, but kind of the same in that. So I'll take, you know, we got three point guards. All right, we'll put the, them in a group. We'll put uh, uh, a group of wings together, three in a group. Another group of wings, three in a group. Fours, three in a group. Fives, three in a group. And then um, I'll put them in a group, and I say, okay, I need a I need a blue, a white, and a gold in from each group. So every night is different. So you might go gold one night. She might, uh, Sarah might go white, and uh, Coach might go blue. All right. Well, the next night you guys might all be the same, but in another group it's flipped. Mm-hmm. So early in the season, probably through about the first three and a half four weeks, that's what we do. So mm-hmm. everybody's playing with everybody. Yeah. So when we start subbing in, we can sub in, and everybody's played with everybody. Mm-hmm. Now we start getting to the last week to week and a half of practice. Start. I start setting down. the groups yeah. of, of okay, we got these five against these eight or these six against these nine or whatever it is and then we're playing a little bit differently then I'll sub in where needed but then we start playing those kids together and I think that that that's a pretty good it, it served us well I started that when I was I was coaching high school and and you know when I was at North we had a lot of really good players so we had a large number so we could do that and still be um, uh, have good practices and I think it's it definitely helps. And, and the thing that I found with, like I said, Kenzie Hoyt and Al Schubert, when they're with that second group, they've really they don't look at it as well. I can't wait till I get my turn with that first group, that first six or whatever. They're leading that second group, like they're demanding them to be as good as that quote first group is. Let's go out and kick the yeah, kick the ass yeah, of the exactly, first group. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so you're seeing that, and and just like Sean said. You can put kids in a position then where they have to lead that group. Uh-huh. You know, like Emma was leading coach's group. Kenzie yeah. and Al are leading my group. Or if I put them with the other group, Melissa Schubert, or, or I put Claire with that other group, you know, and she's leading it, or uh-huh. whoever it is. So now you, it's a way for you to kind of develop leaders at the same time across the board versus yeah. just those two or three kids that you expect to be leaders. Yeah. I, I know one of the things that I want to do this year, and again, we've got – for us in our third year, and I feel like we're starting to turn some corners on some things, we've got the, the biggest number of girls that we've ever had out since I've been there uh, by a margin, by a huge margin. We've got more depth, more athleticism, so forth and so on. But I know uh, with that depth, um, I can take my best player off my first team, put them with the second team, per se, and just flip that one spot and say, okay, you lead this team right now. You lead this team, and you you step up your leadership as a as a in, in your role with, is that a conversation you have with them or do you just kind of see what happens i don't know what should i do <laughs> depends on the kid, Ser- no think. serious question serious question i think do, do, I, think do, do, do i do i say something to her before or do i say after it's done hey why do you think i had you with them i i, I like it after because i like to see how they respond personally i think agree. kids know uh, I, I, think kids I don't know. i don't think our kids know i, I, I don't know i think kids I know. know i i, I laugh because and sarah sarah knows so when I was at North, I would do that exact same thing. Our best player, my last couple of years, Jaleesa Caesar, I'd put her with numbers 
seven, eight, nine, and ten, you know, and her, and her team never lost. Jaleesa was built different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but her team never lost. So you, you find that kid that you can put with anybody. So now as a coach, it gives you a comfort zone. It doesn't matter who she's going to play with. She's such a competitor uh-huh. that she's going to find a way, regardless yeah. of if your top two or three kids are in foul trouble or fouled out. She's going to find a way to win. Yeah. You know, or that second person. All of a sudden, they become a leader. Mm-hmm. And so I think by mixing your teams up mm-hmm. as you go through, especially the preseason, you give kids an opportunity to lead. Now, sometimes, depending on your team, kids don't know how to lead and they bark at their teammates and they get frustrated and and now they kind of pull into themselves i always say they crawl into themselves and they that kind of thing but i think for the most part you can you can help develop leaders on your team by doing that and kids figure it out at least at least for us yeah for for us like when you know now when we when we start we do what's called odo offense defense offense um an old coach yori staple but we start with our starting five, and then I put our next best five, so Emma Shepard and Ruby Clausen and, and on the next five, and then we have a third team. And I'll flip. I'll put Emma and Ruby over here, and I'll move Lexi Kraft and somebody over there because I want the best kids going at each other sure. all the time. Absolutely. All the time. I don't want... I don't want, you know, Sam Shepard standing on the side watching when she's one of our better defenders. I want her defending somebody, so they're, they're used to that. And so yeah. we... Very rarely do I have eight, nine kids on a team because I'll just I'll say you go blue and you go orange, flip yeah. it now, and and you stay on the floor and you go after each other. I, yeah. Um. So our our and and when we're seven, but I they don't. I guess I've never they've never looked at me like well, what do you mean I got to go orange? I'm a starter. I mean I I, I think oh, it's yeah. I think they get yeah. used to the rotations and you know. I like that too. See how they respond. If they take it off to their shoulders, go, well, this sucks. Here, I'm not. Um, you want kids that, like you say, compete. We keep scoring every drill we do yep. because we want them to compete. We yeah. did a- and, and I think for, you know, I coached the high school level at different levels for 29 years. And, and I think that, you know, it, it's hard sometimes at a school, at a high school, to find 10 kids that can compete against each other. Yeah. You know, that's reality. Yeah, I agree. So, but again, just like I said with Jaleesa, a lot of times you have a kid that you consider to be the best player. So for those those high school kids, our high school coaches listening out there, you know, don't be afraid to put your number one kid with 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh-huh. Don't be afraid to put one and two with 8, 9, 10 and put 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 together. Yeah. You know, and, and, and mix it up that way because those kids have to learn then it becomes tougher for them. Now you've challenged your best players or your best oh. two players because you're, let's face it, in many cases in high school, you get past 8. Even if you get to 8, a lot of times that's a, that's a significant difference. And you're allowing those kids to have confidence because all of a sudden they're playing with that top one or that top two. They're, they should be making those kids better. Yeah. Well, the if other thing, truly, you, if they're truly right. your better player. You yeah, also no, want those seven, eight, nine kids in a situation where they've played with that kid because in the course of a game, God forbid injury or foul trouble, all of a sudden they're out there and they got the deer in the headlights look because I haven't been with this group ever. And so I, I think you set yourself up for success in a lot of scenarios when you're mixing up and making them learn how to play with each other and understanding personnel and, and those types of things. 
this is a little bit off topic, but we did a thing a couple years ago that I adapted from um, Nate Sanderson, J.P. Nervin's um, podcast yeah. uh, called Competition Points. And so we would mix them up and we would uh, maybe three different things or four different things of practice. And if you won, maybe a shooting drill or whatever, rebounding drill, you got a competition point. And we tracked that throughout the mm. season. Yep. And it's amazing. Maybe your best player doesn't just always win. We just have those kids that like, Dang, she doesn't score a lot of points, but she just wins. She just yeah. does things that win, and yeah. I, I love that. I, that's one of my favorite things, and those are my favorite kids. And, and you know, when we when we keep scoring drills or games, it's not always baskets made. It's not always rebounds. We also say, hey, if you get two feet in the paint and jump stop and make a good pass, that's for four points for your yeah. team. Yeah. You, you, you got to change that up. We give Screen three assist. points for an offensive rebound because we want kids attacking the yeah. glass. We give two points for a steal. You get very few points for a made bucket or, or whatever, but you know we've gone to two feet in the paint or drive baseline, and you you know if you can get to if you can get to the nail or whatever, I, I, I challenge you because I'm telling you if you got a competitive group, they're watching. They're like, oh, let's get to the nail here. Let's let's yeah. win this section. And so uh, I, I, you can incorporate whatever. Don't get caught up in rebounds and points made and this and that because there's so much more that helps with that. If um, your philosophy, they, they, and I agree. If your oh, philosophy is like keep the ball out of the paint. And you give a you give a point for a stop and a drill. I get so so we want to keep the ball out of paint. So you you get a point for a stop, but you get five points if it's a stop and they don't touch the paint with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get three points if you get a stop and there's no offensive rebound. Uh-huh. You know things like that. Yeah. I agree with Sean. We I do we do. You get you get two or three points if you get them below ten on the shot clock. Um, you know just anything you want to incorporate to challenge them um and we don't do competition points we do <laughs> punishment if you don't win you're you're doing that so none of yeah. them want to do any of that <laughs> we've actually flipped that that concept and i got this from uh, steve selk up at south sioux he was the assistant at elkhorn south he took the south sioux job he he, he calls it winner's run and what he does is he instead of saying well i'm going to punish you because you lost we're going to we're going to reward you by making you stronger and tougher with extra conditioning, and you get to be in better shape by doing a, a, a winner's run, is what we call it. And I was like, I kind of started thinking about that. I was like, you know, and, and he said, once the kids start buying in, and we've done that, and our kids now really, really buy into, hey, if we win, we get to be that much better better because we get to run we get to we get to handle the ball we get to do or, or maybe there's another difference i'm looking at your faces oh my, i'm telling you my kids will look at me like i oh my I, i'm gosh. telling you coach we do nothing but run we could get our kids we could tell our kids we could sell it to them we could give them cupid dolls but that ain't working okay i want to win and i want the group that we beat to have to run. Yeah. Okay. All right. It ain't All working right. for me. I mean, it's a great concept. No, I like it. Wrong. No. But I'm telling you, Ryan, it ain't working no, at our no. place. Okay. <laughs> you mean hey. I, I'm going to win and I have to run uh, and, you know, you get a two-hour practice that's, that's really intense and all yeah. of a sudden I'm winning. I'm winning drills and... I got to stop yeah. winning. <laughs> <a tire. laughs> yeah. No, no, I've yeah. I've heard of that though, and I do yeah. I think it's I mean group dependent. But yeah, I agree. I I, no, I it's, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying. Oh, I get it. I hey, can no, just I see get it. Our, our kids would be like, like, well, if we got to run when we lose, let's 
win, let's go ahead and lose, yeah, and then we don't yeah, have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then, then you're running more because yeah. you're giving a, a, Probably a, true. a not a positive uh, effort here, and, and that that that's that issue yeah. as well. So I, I do like what you guys were saying, and we've kind of done that for us as high school coaches, um, or, or in our situation, what we uh, one of the things I really felt like we we needed to really amplify, uh, and I've talked about this on the pod before. Um, is the summer involvement to, to you have to develop your game in the off season, and and so you're talking about that analytics of you get this or that, and that's something that we have done in the summertime. With you win a competition, you get three points. You you, you win this shooting contest, you get two points, and that type of thing. Um, now with this year, and one of the things that we face is time and manpower to help out with tracking that stuff that you that you're talking about practices yeah i mean you know and i think it you know you you've got to hopefully you can find like for us hopefully we can find managers luckily Mm -hmm. we've got a couple one's playing volleyball right now so we don't have her but you know for i about messed that up unfortunately we have uh, some injured kids that you know they're bummed but they do a pretty good job. They, that's a way for them to yeah. stay involved. But you well, and they see the game players. differently too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've been fortunate. We have a team manager, and she does a great job. And then uh, we have a, a young man who has autism, who's been part of our program for probably six, seven years. Uh-huh. And you know, with autism, when they latch on to something, um, it is a hundred percent all in. And that man can run the clock and shot clock like nobody's <laughs> business. And so, and we're, we're, I mean, and honestly, we're. We're really we benefit that he's there because he's got the thirty and the twenty and the and so we're we're lucky in that that aspect that we can you know we have somebody that can run the I'm clock and track you know, something. I don't know if it's like the same for Sean or the same for you, Sarah or you, Marty, but I'm telling you, kids know the score. Oh, absolutely. When you're, when you're playing, they're looking at that clock and they're like, and it doesn't. You could have seventy five things they have to keep score on. They know. Yep. Yeah. No, over the hey, hey, we point there. Yeah, we got a defensive rebound. Yes. <laughs> we make sure our kids know the score. They have yes. to yell it out, and if they yeah. don't, then they run because that's yeah. time score situation. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it, yeah they know. it's important to them, and, yeah. it, and it should be. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Anything else y'all want to talk about? I mean, I, you know, I mean, great conversation. I, 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 I can't thank you. Uh, uh, thank. Uh, each of you enough for, for coming in here uh, I tonight. Say, I know there's a lot of high school coaches. I'm sure Sean will be the same way. Sean and I are pretty good friends, so I can I don't want to speak for him, but yeah. Sean, I, I feel I, sorry. For <laughs> yeah. I think I can. Um, you know, I know everybody's coming up. You guys have, what, two weeks basically before your high school season start. Yeah. Um, he's running practice. I'm running practice. Uh, anytime y'all want to show up, uh, don't be afraid to, to pop in, and, and we'll be happy to have you anytime during the year. If you got a free night, whatever. Um, Shout out yeah, your, your contact yeah. stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, go for yeah. so, um, you know, you can just call me at 402-669-9111 and uh, come to a practice. Um, we don't do anything special. Mm-hmm. I, there, there is nothing I do that I haven't begged, borrowed, or stolen from somebody. I, I don't have an original thought in my brain. So I, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel, but, but you know, um, we do what we do, and I don't change when coaches are in the gym. Yep. Um, if I need to get after a player, I'm going to get after a player, and, and uh, 
you know, we're going to coach. And I feel Sean's yeah, probably I'm, the same. Yeah, I'm more the same. We've had probably two or three high school coaches or staffs at practices already this year, and I, I'm with Kurt. We, listen, if you come to – I still run the same practice format that Coach Yori ran when we were at Nebraska. It's quick, it's fast, it works, and so we just stick with it and we don't change it. Um, you know, some people like to see, I mean, what are your defensive tendencies or this? I'm more than happy to answer those. Um, but my number is 402-657-2709. You just text me. I'll let I'll give you our practice schedule for the week. And if you have a time where you can come and watch, we'd love to have you. But um, we, you know, like I said, we've been fortunate to have some high school coaches come in. And also, I'm, I'm like he said, we're not reinventing the wheel. If somebody says something to me and says, hey, this, why do you do this? Or this is what we do. I'm going to listen because there's always great ideas out there that – that coaches have. Uh-huh. I can't name drop like Coach Gil- Coach Gilbert can. So. What's that? <laughs> uh, Walker's name oh, Coach Ory, is yeah. name drop, isn't it? It's, no, you I know, I, I learned drop. a lot of great things from Coach Ory, and her practices were always really, really structured. Um, and I, I, we haven't, I haven't frayed from that philosophy, and that was ten. That was ten years removed now. Yeah, so no. it, it's still a good philosophy. It still works for us. And you know, you talk about big borrowing ceiling. Um, I was watching film, uh, I think it was one of our games from this past weekend, and I'm watching, and, and a team ran a set, and I'm like, I yep. really like that, yeah. and we're going to put it in on Thursday, and we yeah. play Wednesday, so I didn't want to put it in tonight, but <laughs> Hey, we, we run a blob that we've scored twice on that I got this summer watching <laughs> in Des Moines. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you find these AU coaches, high school coaches, yeah, absolutely. Stuff, and, yep. and you know, you're stupid if you don't pay attention and, and yeah, want to yeah. copycat. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, anything, Dad? I got nothing. You got nothing? Got nothing. <laughs> You're tapped out. Ready to go. Ready you, to got, go. you got a lot more than you think. Ready yeah. to go in two weeks. Excited for the season. And good luck to everybody out there. It's it's an exciting time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We're, you know, it's kind of nice. Being at a smaller school, you know, our buildup is much more shorter and compact because we got kids in volleyball and, and all that other stuff. So so we haven't done much. And it's been nice the last couple of days to be back in the gym and, and, and having kids playing pickup ball and that type of thing. So we're excited. So. Uh, again, Sean Gilbert, head women's basketball coach at Midland University of Fremont, Nebraska. I want to thank him for his, t- his time. Kirk Walker, head women's basketball coach at College of St. Mary's here in Omaha, Nebraska. Sarah Goodwin, assistant girls basketball coach at Bennington High School, uh, just northwest of Omaha, Nebraska. And, of course, we want to thank Mr. Tom Crable and his beautiful girlfriend Ashley for opening up the doors for us at Wine 121 once again in the Don Corleone section of, <laughs> uh, of, a, of a Wine 121 just south of 120th and Center. Uh, again, or wait, no, north. we're north. north. Sorry. North Park. Uh, yeah, I, I, I north. teach geography. I was so, going to say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> teach geography and you don't yeah. know, north know which direction we're going. Okay, Fort Calhoun students. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I spent 45 minutes talking about the Supreme Court today, so lay uh, off, all right? Yeah, so, well, that's rough. <laughs> uh, hey, I uh, hope coaches have enjoyed this conversation. It's been a really good one. Uh, episode number 149. I'm going to throw a little teaser out there. Gotta throw a little teaser. If you've listened this long, you can listen for 20 more seconds. 150, if it works out the way that it's supposed to work out, will be probably the biggest one of them all. And I'm really excited wow. for that. So, how's that make good yeah, I don't know. It just <laughs> threw me right out of the bus. I thought this was pretty good. We haven't even mentioned it to no, us. We're going to survive one <laughs> podcast and we're down. I thought this was 150. Yeah, yeah you know what? Well... <laughs> 
I know you guys. I can, <laughs> I can, you know, as soon as we get off of here, I know who's going to pick up the tab. It's yeah. going to be me, so that's all right. But, no, I want to thank you all for your time. Coaches, I hope you've enjoyed tonight's podcast. And, as always, coaches, let's hone our craft one day at a time.